Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Amber Hines. And here's a bit about Amber. She is the CEO of Equalize Digital Incorporated, a certified B Corp specializing in WordPress accessibility, maker of the accessibility checker plugin, and lead organizer of the WordPress Accessibility Meetup and WP Accessibility Day Conference. Through her work at Equalize Digital, Amber is striving to create a world where all people have equal access to information and tools on the internet, regardless of ability. Since 2010, she has led teams building websites and web applications for nonprofits, K through 12, and higher education institutions, government agencies, and businesses of all sizes. In addition to accessibility, Amber is a recognized search engine optimization, also known as SEO, UI, UX, and WordPress expert. Equalize Digital is a corporate member of the International Association of Accessibility Professionals, IAAP, and a WordPress VIP agency partner. So without further ado, please welcome Amber Hines to GEMS Podcast, where this segment will be focused on website accessibility. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure, Amber. Before we dive into our segment today, I always like to start off with the icebreaker. So please share a fun and interesting fact about yourself that obviously I don't know, nor does my community and maybe not some of your followers. Yeah, so one uh, a fun fact about me is that I have been on a TV show on uh, Going RV, which is a lifestyle TV show on the DIY network. Um, wait, I think it's on there. Yeah, but it's 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 like owned. It's a network owned by HGTV, and it was all about my husband and me when we bought a travel trailer because we actually lived in our travel trailer full time for more than a year um, and traveled around with. Are, we had three kids at the time. We have four now. Um, it was really fun. It was also a lot of work. I had no idea how much work it is to, be, <laughs> to film a television episode, but it was a, a fun thing we did. Oh, wow. That is, uh, sounds super fun. So we wanted to actually rent an RV when my dad got sick because he was in the hospital from the waist and so we wanted to do an RV trip from Texas to Minnesota, where some of my family is. And we didn't realize um, the work that goes into like renting an RV, cleaning it and et cetera. So we never got to do it. And I think that's one of our regrets because my dad ended up passing away in November of 2020. So my husband keeps saying, man, we should have really did that RV trip because it was his idea. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea how to drive that big hunker of a thing. <laughs> so when you shared that, that made me think about the RV, but it also made me think about the movie RV. Yeah, I actually haven't seen that movie. I feel like I should go see it. But uh, yeah, it 
it is a lot of work, but it was really fun. Um, we actually, we had a travel trailer, not a drivable RV. So we ended up selling it when our fourth daughter was born because we realized that we couldn't all fit in our truck, but we do have plans maybe this fall of buying something that is drivable so that we can do more traveling again. Oh, nice. And thank you for sharing that. It's always cool to hear these fun, interesting facts, Amber, because it definitely um, gets our audience as well as viewers, you know, a glimpse of who you are on a personal side and not just all the business business. So let's jump into website accessibility. What led you down this path? Yes. So I have been working in marketing and running a marketing agency since 2010. Um, I started originally as a freelancer and then grew to a team. And in 2016, we got hired by Colorado State University to build a website for a department there. And I had no idea about website accessibility, that it was even a thing, that you had to do special things on websites in order to make them usable for people with disabilities or people who are using assistive technology. And universities all are required by law in the United States to have accessible websites because they get federal funding. And so I really kind of, our team had some trial by fire. Uh, we had to do a lot more fixing and remediation than we had anticipated when it came to the development and the code and some of the way the content was entered. And so that was really what um, first introduced me to it. And then over the years, we did more work for Colorado State University, some work for some other um, educational institutions and um, uh, government agencies. And so we really kind of niched down into it. and. And then through that, we have, we've had the occasion where we have hired, um, typically they're blind individuals, where we pay them to test our websites and help us identify any problems or challenges that they have in using the website. And just having the opportunity to speak to them and watch them navigate the web and hear about some of the challenges that they have has really motivated us even further to want to do better. Um, you know, you mentioned in my bio, we're a certified B Corporation, and I like to know that what I'm putting out into the world is positive and is making a difference. So it's more than just, you know, building a website for a company so they can make money. It's like, what can we do on this website that ensures all people have equal access to what that company is offering? And congratulations there for, um, being afforded the opportunity to do that at a collegiate level because some people who have website businesses, sometimes the universities don't even reach out to them because maybe their KPIs around their um, website and that's key performance indicator for the audience or um, their accessibility and stuff does not meet their structure. So I wanna break down a little bit um, further to really preface to the audience, what exactly is website avail um, website accessibility, and how important is that? Yeah, so um, website accessibility is or accessibility features on websites are things that come in. Um, in a variety of ways. So it could be the way the website is coded in the actual coding language, the HTML that's being output, or it could be the way the content is added to the page. So some common things are like, if you have a podcast, 
Do you provide a transcript so somebody who can't hear can read the transcript and still have the benefit of the podcast? Do you have captions on your videos? Um, if you have images on your website, you can provide alternative text, which isn't visible to someone who can see, but someone who's on a screen reader would hear image and then it would read out the alternative text so they'd know what the image was of picture of or drawing of or whatever that might be um, so that they can still understand what is present on the page. Uh, there's a lot of different little things, but really it comes down to ensuring that the website works well for people who don't engage with it in a typical way. Um, so it could be someone on a screen reader. It could be someone who can see, but they have limited mobility. And so they can't use a mouse. They can only use a keyboard or maybe they are very limited mobility and they only use speech or they use like a sip and puff device where they blow with their mouth in order to navigate the web. That is actually interesting. I never heard of a sip and blow device to navigate the puff. web. Mm -hmm. so, so sip and puff, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Or um, you may have heard of um, like eye tracking, because there are also things that people who have no use of any of their limbs, like they'll use eye tracking in order to be able to type and navigate on a computer. Um, so there's a lot of things. And really, that's when it starts, you start to think about what special features do I need to have on my website in order to ensure that it really works for all people. Yes, and let's dive in deeper there, because I think that would definitely um, give people some takeaways with for those who have a website, but they also want to make sure that it is accessible in the ADA community, because we don't want to leave out a group of uh, a group of people. So let's talk about um, people who have social media that they take the content and convert it to their website, as well as YouTube, because I know a lot of people like to go on YouTube. So um, you mentioned captions and et cetera. So can you dive it a little bit deeper into those areas, Amber, and just give some practical tips and tools on some things they could do to tweak? Sure. Um, so I think if you're, if you're reusing content, um, I think it is great to pull things off social media and put it on your website because that actually affords ways for you to make it more accessible. Um, so a lot of times with videos, you want to have captions, but you don't just want to have YouTube's auto captions. You want to actually go in and correct it, make sure that it doesn't have typos or misspellings, um, that is accurately timed and the words on the screen line up with what the person is saying. Um, but you also could provide then below the video when it's embedded on your website, that transcript, which is important for someone, for example, who is deaf and blind because they can't read the captions on the video and they can't, because they can't see the video and they can't hear the video. And so that would be the only way that they'd be able to engage with that content. Um, on social media, it sort of depends on what platform you're on. Um, Twitter and LinkedIn, they both have features when you're adding a image to a social media post where you can actually type what the alternative text is. On Facebook and Instagram, they don't have that feature. So what I will typically do if I post an image to Facebook is I'll write my caption and then below the caption, I'll just write image alt, A-L-T, because that's the short for alternative text, image alt, colon, and then I'll just like write a literal description of what is in the image that I'm sharing. Um, so that someone who is on Facebook, because you might not realize this, but you know, blind people use Facebook too. They even use Instagram too. Uh, so they can still get access to whatever the content was that I shared. Um, 
And so really it's about, you know, just being sort of thoughtful and providing descriptions of things when you're on social media, making sure you have captions. Um, if, if you're sharing a video to a platform like Instagram that doesn't support closed captions, then usually you want to put open captions on them where you're actually editing the captions as you speak on the video before you share it to like your reels um, or wherever that might be. Same thing on um, TikTok. And, and actually they show a ton of increased conversion because most videos, as you're going through feed, they play with the sound off. And if you have captions, the words might flash by even for someone who is a hearing person and that might make them pause and actually decide to watch your video. Um, there's a ton of research out there that a lot of videos, like the vast majority of videos consumed on social media are consumed with the sound off. So putting captions on them will help you have more reach and engagement with everyone, not just with uh, an individual who's not a hearing person. Wow. And thank you. This is a lot of um, learning and information. So I'm so grateful we're diving into this topic. So like, for example, because I'm not going to act like an expert here. So like if I'm uploading a video on Instagram, Amber, and I, I'm uploading it from my PC. So the video is uploading. How do you necessarily add the captions there automatically? So on Instagram, uh, the challenge is, is that there isn't a place to upload captions. So you would actually need to edit the captions on your video, wherever you're creating it. So you can do this, um, in, uh, you know, if you had Adobe rush, if you're using that, I think, I will fully say I'm not too broke on Canva, but I'm pretty sure you can edit videos on Canva. Um, and so like pretty much wherever you would edit your video or create it, there are apps like for your phone. If you're just creating a video on your phone um, where you can edit and then you would just type in the captions and it usually puts like a little black box around it, right? And you put it wherever on the screen you want it to go. Um, but wherever you're editing and creating the video is where you would add the captions. And then it just uploads a normal video file to Instagram. So let's think about the legal aspects here, because um, it's so important to just make sure that we are legally in compliance. So are businesses forced or enforced to have certain requirements around website accessibility, especially when we think about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and now belonging? because we have a lot of corporations that have websites, but they may not necessarily be conducive for everybody. So who holds them accountable? And feel free to rephrase that question if it makes it easier to answer and dissect. Yeah, so it really depends on where you are in the world and what kind of website you have. Here in the United States, uh, there is Section 508, which applies to anything that receives federal funding, which this could be, like I mentioned before, universities, it could be a government entity, it could actually be a nonprofit that gets a grant from the federal government. Um, and then there's the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, the Department of Justice actually just released on March 18th a statement strengthening the fact that the Americans with Disabilities Act applies to all public businesses and that website accessibility is part of that. Um, they put up a, a statement that all websites have to be accessible under the ADA, and they have been in the past year doing increased enforcement. So really, if you have a business that serves the public, 
you have to have an accessible website under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And then if you go outside the United States, that's the same case as well. There's a lot of laws uh, in Europe. There's laws um, in different Asian countries. Canada, Ontario actually has a very strict one. Um, theirs is limited to businesses that have more than 50 employees, but you can have very large per day fines from the government if your website is not accessible um, in Ontario. So, so really there are laws that say it applies to everyone. And I think the safe bet is to assume that it applies to you and that your website needs to be accessible. That's a great that's a great answer. And I like how you came with the different laws and the things that were passed recently, because I had no idea that something was passed as recent as March 18th. So it's not even a month old yet. But it's also a good way to just make sure that these businesses are catering to everyone, like I mentioned, but also putting in measures to hold them accountable because sometimes businesses love to check check the box and move on to the next thing because it's not important to them but when it hits them in their pocketbook then it becomes very important you know and yeah and what's really important to know is that accessibility is it really does a lot of things and like a lot of accessibility improvements can improve the speed of your website they can improve the search engine optimization of your website they can improve the conversions on your website for everyone. So there are real business cases for doing it. I think too, a lot of um, maybe bigger businesses, we've been hearing a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And disability inclusion is part of that. Um, and so really, like, there's a lot of reasons why businesses should do this and why they'll benefit from it if they just like put some thought into it. Mm. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Thank you um, for sharing that because Amber, whenever you think about it, because you're part of the B Corps. So do you see more website accessibility in the B Corp community as opposed to any other community? I wish I could say yes. I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think the community where it is most clear and we most see it is probably in like the government and the higher ed, because that's where section 508 has been a lot stronger and there's been more enforcement there. And it's easier for the federal government to be like, well, you won't get your funding if your website is not accessible, right? Um, As opposed to a for-profit business. And then really we're relying on under the ADA, the only enforcement really is from people suing. So people with disabilities will sue businesses. Um, and we have seen, I, I'm not an attorney, but I kind of follow some of this information. Um, there is like increasing numbers of lawsuits in the United States, but I wish I could say more B Corps were doing it. I, I think increasingly we're seeing a little bit more awareness of that. Um, I think sometimes they like the, the DEI efforts that we see, which are very common in B Corps for diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, but sometimes they leave out people with disabilities, not intentionally, but I think that's not maybe one of the loudest groups that's out there shouting. And so sometimes they can be, it can be forgotten that this is part of that. Um, and so that's an area where I think maybe some B Corps could probably improve. Thank you. And I, I do believe that everyone could improve, not just the B Corps, but everyone mm-hmm. as a whole, just to make sure that we are pushing the needle forward and we're not just seeing it as, oh, just another thing I need to add on my to-do list or check the box. 
Um, so I really like the work that you're doing to educate here on B Corps, but I also want to talk about um, on B Corps as well as website accessibility. I want to put that in there too. So I want to talk about challenges because sometimes people don't understand what the challenges are around website accessibility and etc. So in your line of work, what are some personal challenges that you have faced and how has it strengthened you in the work that you're doing today? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, first of all, accessibility requires a learning curve if you've, or it has a learning curve if you've never done it before. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges in this space is that there are a lot of developers and um, designers or people who build websites for people that maybe haven't been trained officially, there aren't a ton of resources. And so that can make it really challenging. And I know in the beginning, personally, when we were trying to, you know, bring accessibility more into our website development process, like I was thinking, how do I learn this? And then there are tools that you don't even think about initially. It's like putting a slider on a website. And, and it's just like almost, you know, not as much anymore. Sliders have kind of gone out of fashion, which is probably not a bad thing. But like when we were doing it in 2016, it was like every website had a slider at the top of the homepage, right? And, and it was, and, and we were just thinking, okay, now we have to totally rethink this. You know, how do we make it work? And we had to put extra time into that and knowing, you know, what what is good and what is bad and so I think there's definitely a learning curve and that's probably one of the biggest challenges and I think on the like the business or the website owner perspective there's also you know along that line the challenge of if they're you know if they're using a no code tool like Squarespace or even you know certain tools within WordPress like the page builders like Elementor or Beaver Builder or something like that um, they might not know even how to assess it and and then and so really that's where you want to try and find tools that can help you support that or a community that can help you support that and learn as you go. And I like how you explain your challenges that you face and you didn't just talk about them personally, but you also talked about other challenges that other people face in website accessibility and the learning curves because it's so important to, you know, see those learning curves as an opportunity for personal growth as well as professional growth because then once you learn from those opportunities you're able to help somebody else that is in your area of expertise and I always say we are better when we come together and we share and exchange information because that's how we're going to continue to build and accelerate. Yeah so definitely. If um, if anyone is interested in learning more about website accessibility, what are some ways they could find out information or are you teaching any courses on it, Amber? Yes, yeah, so um, I run the WordPress Accessibility Meetup, which meets twice a month. We're the first Thursday of the month at 10 a.m. Central and the third Monday at 7 p.m. Central. They're on Zoom, so they're all virtual they're live captioned so we have a captioner who actually comes and captions it in case someone can't hear the presenter um and it's not it's not always wordpress specific so like we one of our speakers who's coming up is someone who has a podcast and he just interviews people with disabilities and so he's going to be sharing general wordpress or sorry website accessibility information that's not wordpress specific so it'd be relevant to anyone who's built a website anywhere um you can find that on meetup 
meetup.com. If you just look for WordPress accessibility meetup, um, there are some great resources. You mentioned the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. They have certification courses and they have free resources um, like training classes. Another really great one is DQ. It's D-E-Q-U-E. Um, they have free courses and some paid courses, and they also do a big conference, which it just happened in March, but you can watch all of the recordings for free um, on their website. It's called AxCon. Um, so those are some of my top recommendations for like classes and learning and connecting with other people. But I would say like one of the big things is learning by doing. And so there are some tools um, like browser extensions. We have a um, tool for WordPress websites called Accessibility Checker, which has a free version that's out there on wordpress.org. And it scans your website kind of like an SEO plugin would do. Um, it only does it for accessibility. And it says, here's the things on this page that you can improve. And so putting something like that on your website and looking at its reports, over time, you start to learn, you're like, oh, it's going to tell me every time I forgot to put alt text on my image, or every time I use my headings in the wrong order, and I put a heading five, just because it was smaller than the heading two, but I really should have put a heading two. Um, so like learning by doing is really helpful, I think. And thank you for sharing those websites. So DQ.com, AxCon, and IAAP. By any chance, was IAAP an administration group before? Because it's it kind of reminds me of this administrative professional group that I was a part of like years ago when I was an admin. Sorry about that. No, no worries. <laughs> Do you want to pause and re-ask? No. Yeah, so... um. Okay. So by any chance is IAAP, were they part of a administrative assistance professional group? Because it kind of rings a bell, but I just want to make sure I'm not thinking about the same group. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think they've always just been related to accessibility. Um, they do on the web. They also do accessibility in built environments. So like physical building accessibility too. Okay, cool. So we have IAAP, we have uh, DQ, which is D-E-Q-U-E.com. And then you mentioned if anyone is interested in looking at all the free videos and trainings, it's on axcon.com. Is it A-X-C-O-N? It's A-X-E-C-O-N.com. Okay, perfect. And do you mind sending me that information? Because I could include it in the show notes, Amber. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And we do have recordings too from all of our meetups. If you go to equalizedigital.com slash meetup, then you can get all of the recordings from ours as well. Okay, perfect. Okay. So Amber, I want you to leave us with your call to action for this segment for the listeners as well as the viewers, and then close us out with your website and where you hang out primarily on social media. Yep. Well, if you have a WordPress website, I'd love for you to try our plugin Equalize Digital Accessibility Checker. You can try it for free either off of our website or off the WordPress plugin directory. Um, otherwise, um, you know, attend a meetup, learn more about accessibility, 
Because even just starting small and making one or two changes in how you add content on your website, even if you're not a developer, that could make a huge difference for someone with disabilities and allow them to access the awesome stuff that you're putting out into the world. So that's my big call to action. Um, if you're looking to connect with me, uh, I have a Facebook group the WordPress Accessibility Facebook group that I hang out in pretty frequently and answer questions. Um, again, it's kind of like, you don't necessarily have to use WordPress to join if you want to just um, ask questions about accessibility. And then I'm pretty active on Twitter and my handle's kind of hard to spell, but I will definitely send it to you, Genesis, so that you can include it in the show notes. Amazing, but what is a handle? Just say it out loud. And then of course- Yeah, I'll so it's, it's a core blog. So it's French. It's Yep, A-U-C-O-E-U-R blog. It's a very old handle that I keep thinking I need to try and change my name, but you know, my name is common and <laughs> everybody has my name. So I don't really know what to do. <laughs> no worries. And Amber, I want to thank you so much for coming on GEMS podcast today and talking about all things website accessibility and just really dropping that knowledge for us. And for you listeners and viewers, make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We are on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. And we are actually looking for brand ambassadors and brand sponsors to find out more information on how you can contribute to the mission to educate, inspire, and motivate while intersecting and connecting the dots between diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Head on over to Genesis Amaris Kemp net for more information your monetary contributions and donations will not go unnoticed and we are ranked in the top three percent globally per www.listennotes.com so until we chat next time peace love and lots of blessings have yourself an amazing day get your website accessible and level up in all areas so your business can grow and thrive so until next time ciao thank you for listening to another segment of gems podcast hope you enjoyed this recording make sure you like comment share and subscribe to gems podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.